Welcome to another episode of Spock Sports Show, sponsored locally through Barbary Law Firm. It's a look at everything sports here in the mid-Michigan area. And now, here's your host, Chris Spockman. Chris Spockman with you, Spock Sports Show, another football preview as I'm now catching up with Irv Sigler from Shepard. And Irv, when I load this up, I'll be around, you know, 6.30, 6.45 tonight that I make it live. That's going to be pretty much exactly... One week from kickoff for somebody who's been around Friday Night Lights for 30 years. Your thoughts, your feels on all that, man. Well, it never it never feels like there's enough time to get ready. And I can remember being a player. And when we first started coaching, we had four weeks of preseason. And now we don't. And, uh, you know, we've been in pads for just over over uh, six days. <laughs> and it, uh, it there's a lot of things I feel like we need to do to be ready. But I know that probably every coach feels that way so there's a sense of urgency there's a sense of excitement and uh there's nothing like being underneath the lights on friday night and for those of you who don't know you said you and i caught up a little bit i don't think we ever sat down for an interview last year your football background is extensive talk a little bit about it where you've been how long were you there that kind of thing well, I've, I've had a chance, most of all, to be around great people. I started my career at University of Michigan. I worked for uh, Gary Moeller and Lloyd Carr. And um, what I learned during those two years is is uh, there's no way that you could quantify how much I learned in two years. And then I went to Okemos as an assistant. I worked for Keith Fralick, and Keith is um, froze a legend and, and uh, just a master coach. From there, I went to Cadillac, and then I spent some time. I uh, spent seven years in Granville. Uh, we were in the Final Four two times while I was there, and uh, spent three years in Atlanta, Georgia, at Kell High School in Marietta. Came back to Jenison, uh, worked at Grand Rapids Christian, worked at Hope College, and uh, it had always been a goal of mine to be at a smaller school in a smaller community, and I feel like I've absolutely hit a home run here. Yeah, you, you talk about the Friday night lights. I, I always tell people, I've, I have friends from, you know, the Detroit area that came up here and went to CMU, and I always tell them to, you know, come with me to a game on a Friday and just, you know, go to a Beale City, go to a Shepherd, you know, even a Mount Pleasant and just feel what that's like. You get to a point where, and you, you experienced it, some schools get so big that sports becomes not that much of an identifier because there's so many things going on with that school and that town. They might have a sport, you know, and other sports programs there, minor league, major league kind of stuff. When you get to the small towns, when Friday night lights, it's the biggest deal. It just really makes it special, doesn't it? It does. And I grew up in Sheboygan and, and uh, we know we have a tremendous football tradition in Sheboygan. And so I really wanted to experience something along those lines as a coach and, you know, I'm just I can't I can't express enough how much joy it brings me to coach here and work with our kids. And now last year, looking at things on paper, it's it's almost like two different seasons. And when you look at the end of the year, Muskegon Oak Ridge was a powerhouse last year. That twenty one seven to loss Ithaca really close and defensively mm-hmm. was was a really good performance to only put up twenty one. But you look at the first few weeks of the season, you guys had the victory over Elma and Mitch Walters with a couple of huge plays and then Sanford Meridian, we were here for that, was a struggle offensively, but boom, things really took off after that. What changed going into week two, week three? Or was the kids getting used to your system? You getting used to the kids? What was that? I think it was it was more um, the kids buying into what we do, and we made some fundamental changes going into our fourth game against Beaverton, and uh, it seemed to suit everybody. It suited the coaching staff. It suited the kids, and it's really given us a great platform to build on. 
Yep, uh, Brett Heibel, who's my color commentator. You know, he played at CMU, and I always make the joke that he tackled Walter Payton. Like, you know, he was at that Bears training <laughs> camp after their their big season, and so his football acumen is there. And I remember it was the Shepard Sanford game. It was like, man, they're just a couple inches. They're just a half a second late here, half a you know yard too far here or there. And it seems like you guys really found your rhythm with that big winning streak in the middle of the season. We did, and 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 uh, a lot of credit to our players with a new coaching staff and a new coach. They could have, you know, they could have uh, been resistant to what we were asking them to do. They just continued to work and work and believe in themselves. And so it was a lot of fun. It's the most fun I've had coaching in a long, long time. And I made sure to check out uh, Jim, L- Jim Lottie's Morning Sun article, and I highly recommend, you know, MI Prep Zone. Go check out all the stuff he does with our local schools. But I want to talk to you about Colton Dysinger playing quarterback, um, an electric basketball player, you know, an athlete. What's it going to be like having a guy like that with that type of athleticism at the quarterback spot? Well, he's he's special. He's he's got uh, what I call dare quickness. He he's there and then he's gone and yes. he can't. You know, um, watching him play basketball is really exciting. I really like point guards and shortstops as quarterbacks, and he fits the bill. And uh, what I think is where he's really growing is in his leadership and his coachability. And and I just I think that we're in great hands with him being our leader at quarterback. Yep, a couple other guys going to be go-tos offensively. Uh, Jalen Brandenburger at running back, Ashton Lucard at wide receiver. And I imagine we're going to see him carrying the ball too as well. What are those two guys going to bring to the table? Jalen brings a lot of toughness and a lot of quickness. He's he's uh, deceptive in that you think he's tackled, but he's not. His feet keep moving, and he, he does a great job of finding daylight. And Ashton is just simply explosive. And I think people got a chance to see that last year. He's an outstanding outstanding player he's got tremendous uh instincts and football intelligence and you know uh, our goal is to try to get the ball in his hands as many different ways as we can throughout the course of the season yeah so like i said he's gonna he's listed as a wide receiver you know in lottie's article but like i said he's gonna be jet sweeps at any time you get the ball in his hands you're gonna want to get the ball to him and brandon Berger, you know i know his dad his dad hard-nosed football player himself one of the best you know teams there was ever here at shepherd um, another thing that Heibel always talks about, I'm going to, you know, punch my you know hand here, guys hitting the hole. That's something that, that he does that you don't see with a lot of running backs. How much does that mean to you as a coach to know you got a running back that's going to trust the runs there kind of thing? Well, he's, he's an easy guy to count on. He is always doing extra work. He is always trying to make himself and his team better. And in anything that we coach him to do, he does it 100 miles an hour. And so he's a guy that I, I not only enjoy watching play, but I admire the way he plays. And uh, slide over defensively, talked about those three guys. Ty Pfeiffer is also another guy you got coming back. Essentially, do you have your whole starting defensive backfield back? We do. All right. We do. How and, big uh, of a deal is that? It's, it's a huge deal because we um, essentially don't have to, to um, reinvent how we do things. So they, as soon as we teach something, they, well, yeah, I remember that. And then, yeah. and then they're executing it very well. So it's a big advantage to have that much back in the backfield. And losing Maddox Woods and some other linebackers, you're going to kind of need to lean on them a little bit more defensively than you had to last year? I think so. I think so. And, and, and again, when you have guys like Ty and, and uh, Ashton back there, there's always an opportunity for a big play where they make an interception and get a big return. Um, but Ashton and, and all of our kids, I think, are doing a great job of executing our defense and what we're asking them to do. And having those guys in the quote-unquote back four, that really gives you a chance to 
do different stuff with that front seven, doesn't it? Maybe be a little bit more aggressive towards the run because you got the athletes, you got the experience on the back end. Well, we actually moved Caleb Griffin from defensive back to linebacker, and and I think he's excelled. He's he's a, another guy that plays real fast. He's very physical. Uh, we were feeling like we needed a guy like that in our linebacking core. So despite the fact that he's not in the backfield, he is a returning starter at linebacker, and he brings a lot to the table. And now – how nice is that? And I'm going to do a Beale City comparison. Jamison Latham's going to be a four-year starter up there. He played defensive back, you know, his freshman, his sophomore year, but then they moved him into linebacker. How much does that help, that position change, going from one level to the next level as far as you coaching that kid? It's kind of like they're, they're a step ahead, I feel like. I, I think so. And and he's, he's used to playing fast and in space, and now he gets to play fast, not in space. And so I think – I think uh, the instinct of where's the ball, go get it, it's a much shorter path now. And uh, I just I think it's going to be a big advantage to him because we knew that he was a physical player. Now he gets to, to utilize that skill as well. And what's that say about a kid and some other guys? Said Colton was a second-team Jack Pine, I think wide receiver, defensive back last year, moving to quarterback. It, what does it say about these kids that are willing to change positions? Well, it's it's the essence of what the team spirit is about. If we need you to do something and, and I sit down and talk to you and the answer is, Coach, I'll do whatever you need me to do for the team, that's when we have special groups and we have a lot of guys like that in our program. And now I'll talk about the Jack Pine Gladwin lost a lot, but I think it has to start with them. You're somebody who's familiar with this. When you bring up those JV kids, those freshman kids, for that extra five, mm-hmm. six weeks of practice, it almost turns into a whole another season that they got to experience. And so I think they're definitely going to be there despite what they lost. And Haggard's going to be back with punches back. And Claire, what do you, what do you expect there from the Jack Pine? It seems loaded when I look at it. I think, you know, the honest truth is it's Gladwin, Claire, and the rest of us. And – uh, you know, at some point in time, there will be another program that makes a, a jump into that big two. But like Beaverton uh, was like kind of on its way, and they've kind of you know, and Coach Meyer does a great job over there. But mm-hmm. they've kind of dropped off talent wise last couple of years. That kind of what you're getting at. Those two are the they're the perennials. Well, I think they I think they set the standard. And, and in any league that you coach in, there there are standard setters that you've got to beat to be at that top tier. And and uh, you know that's they're definitely the standard setters for this conference and and that's why um that's why we're so proud of what they've done traditionally and what Gladwin did last year um and and that's where we aspire to be yeah for you as an opposing coach but a Jack Pine guy a mid-Michigan guy what was it like to watch them last year go on that run well it made me feel better first of all (laughs) (laughs) and secondly I just I I think they their kids play so hard they're so well coached they 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 do a tremendous job coaching and I couldn't be happier and I I said going into the playoffs that that uh, Gladwin has the best public school personnel that I've coached against in quite some time. And sure enough for them to beat Grand Rapids Catholic, that is a big deal. Yep, I think that was one of those ones, even when you're, you know, a Shepherd guy, a Cleric guy, even a Harrison guy, and you saw them going up against, you know, a big city Christian school, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, let's go country boys, come on, you know, yeah, kind absolutely. of a thing. And we, and we pulled for them, and our kids followed them. And, you know, it's, it's one nice thing about having a lot of pride in your conference is you want your conference to be successful. Yeah, and I think, you know, that just goes so far above and beyond, too, is, you know, experiencing those playoff runs with other schools. It could still mean a lot to a kid, even if they don't go there and kind of tie into this question. I'm excited to ask you because you've been around the game. You've been around teaching for so long. I always like to ask coaches, you know, McIntyre, Gross, you know, Antcliffe and Beale City, 
What are these kids learning playing football that just something they can't learn in the classroom? Well, the, there's a lot of intangible things that are learned. Um, we, we have rules in our locker room. Our kids have to clean our locker room, and they have to store their gear in a certain way. And it's, it's one of those small disciplines that um, I'm hopeful will carry over. You know, we went over and scrimmaged at Big Rapids today, and, and our kids cleaned up the locker room and swept it before we left. And that's, those are little things that we take pride in that we feel um, – build the, the, the values of respect and integrity, and we want to leave things better than we found it. So those, there's, I mean, it's, you could go on and on and on. I also think it's a game where um, we're teaching young men how to become better men. You know, we, we have a leadership council. We have four captains. We meet with those, those uh, groups throughout the course of the year and constantly challenging them to be the best human beings that they can be. So t- talk about that. There's a leadership council that you guys have for f- four varsity players, and does it go down the line? Well, actually, we have uh, four kids in each class, 9th, 10th, Excellent. Uh, All right. 11th, and 12th. And at the end of the season, we start meeting. So we met, uh, you know, eight or nine times last year. We, we actually met a little bit more the year before because I was new. Um, but what we're trying to do, and we have five groups that we put together. We put an upper class with an underclassman and by doing that we continue a legacy of leadership and we we get some uh some impressive training that goes on in that experience and we feel like that's a big deal in our program that we want to raise leaders in our program and want those leaders to raise leaders in our locker room it's one thing for you to tell a kid to do something but it's a whole another thing to have a senior tell them to do it that they've seen them do it on the field per se you know what i mean well and it's even more when a when a senior captain goes and sweeps the locker room you know, that is, the, that is the example that we want. We believe in servant leadership. And, and when our kids see uh, one of our rock star guys sweeping the locker room after practice, that's a huge deal because now everybody feels like they need to contribute to that part. Yep. I really like that you brought up the servant leadership because the best leaders that we have are ultimately servants to those people that they're leading. That's what it comes down to. And I think that could be a whole other podcast for a whole other day that you and I could do. But, Irv, thanks so much for joining me. Um, one week, Alma Shepard, why has everybody got to be here? It's also Veterans Night. It's also Veterans Night, and, it, and that's something that we as a program, as a football team, and as a community are incredibly proud of, and uh, uh, our Veterans Night last year was tremendous, so I hope that you'll come out to see it and be part of it and, and give these men the tribute they deserve. Yep, Irv, thanks so much for joining me. We'll be catching up with you a bunch this season. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Spock Sports Show with Chris Bachman, sponsored locally through Barbary Law Firm. The views and opinions heard on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those views and opinions of Latitude Media. Our sponsors, affiliates, and My1043 or Buck92 Radio. Check out our website for even more podcasts from around the area. Just go to mymichiganpodcast.com. It's podcasting that matters.